The coating durability test puts excess through a cycle of 10,000 strums. Through the lens of a microscope, it is clear that excess retains its composition better than other coated strings. Testing complete. Auditorium, and I'm with Fred Tackett of Little Feed. Fred, hey man, thanks hey. so much for joining us today. My pleasure. My so, pleasure. Well, let's start. You are you're a multi instrumentalist, uh huh. And we're starting with one of them. Tell me a little bit about uh, uh, about your mandolin. Well, this is a uh, this is an Eastman mandolin. To have to uh, explain my history with the mandolin. Yeah. I uh, had a harmony. I mean, a really piece of junk mandolin <laughs> that I used started? when I played the, I used to play the, the share show, Yeah. you know, and uh, when they would have a, a comedy skit that was like an Italian, you know, comedy skit, then I would be doing, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's, what, that's the reason I had it. And so then I did this Glenn Campbell session and... Uh, with Glenn and he uh, like wanted me to have a mandolin, but I, you know, I needed a real mandolin. So I yeah. called my wife. I said, I need a mandolin, like you know, like now. <laughs> and uh, she went to so McCain's. So were you in the studio? Yeah, I was in the studio, and Glenn's like, he ain't got a mandolin. I said, yeah, I got a piece of junk mandolin, but because yeah. oh, you need a good mandolin. So I called my wife. I said, go down to McCain's, and she went to McCain's Guitar Center in uh, Santa Monica, and said, you know. Give me an old mandolin. And so they reached up and they gave me this 1932 Gibson that she bought for me. And uh, just beautiful. Sounds, sounds like pure wood, man. Right. And I used that on the session and I used that in, in Los Angeles. And then when we started touring, I had it on the road and all the guys in the crew were like, no, man, you can't be keeping this mandolin <laughs> out here. It's just going to get trashed. It's going to be. Right. So, so was it an F, uh, F style? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my. Uh, my wife went out and bought me the season. She's bought like all of my good instruments. Oh. She's, every one of them, she's been the one that's gone and said, you know, give me this and give me that. And they've always gave me great stuff. Okay, so know. all the, this is a public service now, but <laughs> yeah. to all the wives out there. Yeah, you want to like good mandolin, <laughs> get your wife to go pick it out for you. you know? Yeah. Buy the good stuff. That's great. So That's yeah, these Eastmans are good. They're made, they're you know Chinese, but these are made in California, I believe, from oh, what okay. she told me. And uh, yeah, it's a really nice instrument. That's great. God, I use it a lot on like the Lowell songs, like uh, Roll 'Em Easy. It's like that kind of like Appalachian stuff. So sure. yeah, I use it on you know just whenever I can figure out a way, if I can play it on something, I'll stick it on there, you know, and make it a little different. But I love playing the mandolin, you know. Yeah. I never like I never like was a bluegrass fan and don't know anything about the way mandolin players play. I just I think I learned everything I know from listening to Ry Cooter records, you know, really? no Ry Cooter records and I thought, that's some funky mandolin. <laughs> I mean I like that blues mandolin. And I don't play any kind of like country mandolin. It's yeah. just like the blues stuff, kind of basically, you know. Wasn't it interesting that Glenn Campbell, of all people, mm -hmm. kind of kind of sent you on that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Glenn's a fellow Arkansan, and uh, I came to Los Angeles through Jimmy Webb, the songwriter. Oh yeah, brought oh, me out man. there, and uh, and Glenn was always at Jimmy's house looking for songs, you know. So. Yeah. Uh, that's how I got my relationship with Glenn, you know. Wow. He gave me, I worked on a lot of his records and, and through him got into a lot of other country music records. And right. And like and that. then that led to you writing with Lowell and, and yeah, that well, whole. Lowell that, was like, a, you know, lived next door to my wife again. He lived next door. And when I first started playing with Jimmy's uh, web, she brought him over to play sitar. He was studying sitar at uh, Ravi Shankar's Kanara School in L.A. Really? And I came into the uh, living room. He's sitting all dressed in white and uh, playing the sitar. And I said, hey, man, you know, we could 
we could like uh, you know tune that thing into some psych and play some psychedelic music, man. And <laughs> he was, oh no, I only play sacred Indian music. And I went, oh, that's cool, man. <laughs> and two weeks later, he was in the Standell singing "Dirty Water." I went, wait a minute, this is a guy. Jimmy Webb and I both were like, this is a guy whose humor we can relate oh. to. And he became like a close friend of Jimmy's and I, and, and uh, before Little Feet, you know, and cool. so. Uh, Back, Jimmy gave uh, Little Feet the first paying gig playing his birthday party. You know? Really? Yeah, you know, so God. that's how far we go back with Lowell, you know. Well, and and then when he did his solo album, you uh, you did that with him and, yeah, and yeah. co-wrote uh, co-wrote on it. And, Just and, a couple of tunes, yeah. yeah. You know? God, what you a know? journey, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, Lowell lived right up the street from me, and he was just a, a really good friend, a really good friend. He got me lots of work, too because a lot of people would want to hire Lowell and then he wouldn't want to do it. So he'd say, get my friend, you know, he threw really? a lot of gigs to me. In fact, I just figured out the other day, I played three years with uh, Bob Dylan and I couldn't have, you know, I thought, you know, Jim Keltner or Tim Drummond must have, you know, got me the gig. And then just 30 years later, one day I woke up and went, wait a minute, Lowell recommended me for that gig. Because <laughs> Lowell was telling me about how he was hanging out at Bob's house all yeah. the time and how he had stepped on one of Bob's guitars, you know, so, you know. <laughs> there you go. Then I just finally hit me, I said, that's the guy that recommended me for this gig because he didn't want to do it, you know. And here it is, 50 years later, you're at the Wyman. Yeah, yeah. it's unbelievable, man. Doing this interview, talking yeah, about a mandolin. Absolutely, man. Okay, well, very So that's cool. pretty much it for the mandolin. And you just run it direct into a DI. Yeah, just and, run it direct and uh, And they, they add a little verb or whatever and yeah. done. Perfect. Yeah. You know, okay. It's a, All right. Well, let's, pure sound, man. Yeah. Let me put this down. Yeah. Let's and move let's, on to the. Uh, yeah, to the fun stuff. To the other stuff. <laughs> They're all cool. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I want to grab the guitar. Yeah. Now again, this is the same thing. My wife went in and said, "Get me a used Stratocaster." I was uh, when I first came to Los Angeles. Uh, my wife uh, and I were, uh, I mean, when I first started playing sessions, uh, there was a guy named Mike Dacey, who was a session player, one of the best, I mean, just an amazing guy. And he played Strat all the time, and I'm just, you know, amazed at it. I had like an old Gibson melody maker or something like that. Yeah. And uh, I said, I gotta have one of these. So my wife went into to, uh, the car center and said, uh, and it wasn't this guitar, it was a, uh, another guitar and she said give me a used strat and they it, this time jimmy hendrix was still alive and they go oh here's one of jimmy's man it's like uh you know he's got it in here to it's one of his something they gave him or something and he's messed around with it and it turned out you know he had like some whoever worked for him had gone in and rewired and done all kinds of crazy stuff to it and i sent it to a guy uh james burton oh yeah james burton said uh, hey man i know this guy that worked at fender that'll like straighten that guitar all out and everything, you know? So I brought it over to the guy's house. And as a joke, when I left, I said, hey, you know, uh, be careful with this guitar because it used to belong, you know, to Jimi Hendrix. And I was just laughing about it because I didn't ever like, really think it was true, you know? Yeah. So the guy calls me on the phone and says, you know what, when I stripped off this, the paint on this thing, because he changed the color, he said, I found like, uh, you know, holes over here where he would have like, uh, you know, had it left-handed. And he said, uh, you know, so we little. made two black guitars for uh, Jimi Hendrix. And he says, we know what happened to one of them, but we don't know what happened to the other one. We said, this is the other one. And so I go, oh, that's great. You know, and we go on through life. That's way back when. Yeah. And uh, Scott Sherrard comes into the band and I tell him that story. And Scott says, I've got the other one. You're kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, like 30 years later, Scott's going, I've got the other black strat that Jimmy had. So now we're in the same band with the two black strats. And, and do you guys still have those? Guitars? Yeah, yeah. He brought it down. We did this dead, uh, dead feet thing in New Orleans, huh. and, and Scott brought his down. I, I left mine at home. But uh, wow, you know, it's about a what are the sixty-three odds? or Yeah, I mean, it's just insane. It's like that would happen. It's like some kind of definite. Uh, yeah, there's a spiritual thing kind of there. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, who would who would ever think? And yeah, he got his. It was in pieces at some guitar store that he knew in New York somewhere that huh. the guy said, oh, I got this guitar, man. It's one of the Jimmys and da 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 da. Huh. And, 
put it back together again. And that's the story, man. But then, yeah, again, I had it out here on the road, and people said, like, the crew guys were like, no, man, this guitar is too cool. You yeah. got to leave this one at home. And I got this beautiful Strat. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. I totally forgot about this one. This <laughs> came from the Fender Factory. We were in a recording studio, and our guitar tech went down to Fullerton, where the factory was. Uh -huh. and he called me up and said, uh, you know, we got these two guitars down here. One's a red Strat and one's a Sunburst. And he said, uh, the Sunburst is 150 bucks and the, and the red one's 100 bucks. And I said, well, grab them, you know. I think they're supposed to be a, a paint defect or something somewhere. Right. You yeah. know, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> but I've had them, God, forever. I've had well. these guitars forever. And they're just, I mean, to me, it's perfect. I mean, Scott plays all kinds of guitars. Yeah. Little Feet, Lowell was always a Stratocaster guy. Oh, yeah. I was always a Stratocaster guy. Part of the Little Feet thing. In fact, I always give him a shit about how can you be playing those other guitars? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, you got to play a Stratocaster. That's, yeah. Ideally, my son you... was telling me, my, one of my sons says, hey, like, uh, how come you're not rocking a Les Paul or something, man? You know, I said, look at the luck. Look at the way this thing is. This is like, this is like a beautiful woman with all the curves and everything. I said, if, you right. know, the Les Paul is just a round thing, you know. <laughs> Look at this, man. This has got, like, design, man. This is a beautiful thing. So I love them. I love Stratocasters, man. I've never played a bad one. Do you remember <laughs> what your wife paid for the Hendrix Strat? 300. It's like 300 bucks, something God. like that, you know, back then. I can't even imagine what yeah. that's worth yeah. today. It was yeah. yeah, it was something like that. I'm Crazy. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's... But he was still alive and wandering around L.A. all yeah, the time. Yeah. Lowell used to go jam with him all the time, so it wasn't a big deal. It yeah. was just like, yeah, he's always in here, and he's, sure. you know, he's got some guitars over here. Yeah. So, I was lucky. Oh, <laughs> I was that's a very lucky great. boy. Okay, so this is your number one. And I yeah, think this it's is a... the guitar I play just about on everything. I play uh, the Red Strat. It's over there. We got. <laughs> it's just like this, except it's red. Okay. I use it for slide, yeah. and, which I play on one song. Oh, Atlanta. Uh, yeah. What what slide do you play? What what? Um, it it is. might be. This is something Scott gave me. It is a titanium ellipse. Oh, okay. Ellipse magal magalite or magalite. Oh yeah. Magalite. I think is what it says. It's beautiful. You can drop and it won't break. Right. And light, <laughs> I imagine, very yeah, it's light. Yes, very light, man. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and that's, uh, you know, it's just real easy to play, man. Yeah. But uh, this isn't set up. This is like set up for, like, you know, playing the sure. their solos and stuff. But the other one, I got set up high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Right. And, but, uh, you know, yeah. that's the, those are the two axes. Yeah, you know, I okay. I use those two axes. I play the mandolin, two strats, uh, yeah. and then let's talk a little bit about your pedal board you're running here. Yeah, yeah. The pedal board, basically, there's only like a uh, couple of things. It's mostly, I've got uh, the main thing here is this orange compressor. Okay, that, that oh, I yeah, play on everything. Like it. Did it. It has some like, you know, adds like some sustain. Sure, you know, and yeah. Some, yeah, it kind of wakes up the amp. So I yeah. use that on everything just all the time. And aside from that, it's all about gain. Like I, sure. I don't even know what this red box is. It's got like a, it's got an M on it, but I have no idea. But it just makes it a little louder. Yeah. It's, and then. Like the tube screamer. I've been asked tube screamer. You gotta have. Gotta you have know? it. You know, and if you want to play a solo and get crazy, then it's both of them at yeah. once. You know, so it's just a matter of getting louder and louder. And sure. Like, we need to get a little bit louder now. You know. <laughs> yeah. And it's then all aside about from more. that, yeah. And yeah. so besides that. I have a tremolo, which I use on certain like. Yeah. That's the sure. kind of stuff, you know. I use that every once in a while. The, uh, this MXR Phase 90 I got for when we started doing um, Waiting for Columbus, because Paul Barrere played a lot of stuff and so uh, uh, with uh, phaser and with sure. chorus. So I got it for like, uh, like Fat Man. 
fat man in a bathtub. Oh yeah, right. Right. He always did that. Which, yeah, it was a sound he had on lots of stuff. You, you know? couldn't do that song without that tone. Yeah, you know, it's it, just kind of cool. So I use that on several of his stuff that where Paul has such an incredible part. Yeah. And uh, this delay thing is interesting. I use it. It's got a tap thing, which I highly recommend. Sure. <laughs> a tap thing. And what I do with it is uh, when we play, in fact, on the record of Time Loves a Hero, uh, I played this, this pencil. I was doing an arrangement for Bonnie Raitt and I was writing out horn parts and uh, I wanted to, I did this line and I wanted to hear what, what it sounded like and I just went over and went and I went, whoa, wait a minute, that's cool. <laughs> so, like, so I use it all like, uh, let's see, where are we at here? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. The settings are off a little bit, but uh, I use it on Time Loves a Hero now. So, so just, that's it. And the other thing is a wah wah pedal, which I never hardly ever well, use. But it's yeah. like, it's only like uh, shits and giggles for sure. that, you know? Well, Fred, getting <laughs> back to the, the pencil, so it's just a number two pencil, something yeah. you came up with in the studio with Bonnie Raitt, and that was, yeah. now it's part of your repertoire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I just started playing with the pencil, and uh, a friend of mine, uh, Steve Ripley, who makes guitars, he used to make guitars, he, uh, said it was like guys that he played with a spoon, you know, and I'd huh. never heard of anybody do it, but I, apparently it was something that has been done before. Yeah. You know? but, but yeah, it was just perfect, perfect percussion. You That's know? Per so you've always got to have a number two pencil. Got a whole bunch of them the over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got a whole bunch of them just oh. in case. Hey, here's that red one as well. Like, yeah, we, let's take a picture yeah, of the Bruce, rest. Let's see that thing. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. I use this on uh, either O Atlanta, which oh sure, Paul like uh, when we first when I first got in the band, Paul said I'm not gonna play slide on everything. <laughs> yeah. You have to play slide on one song. So yeah. he said learn O Atlanta. So yeah. I played. And when Scott joined, I mean, because Scott's one of the most premier slide players ever, you know. And I said, Scott, you know, out of tradition, you know, <laughs> let me play this one song. <laughs> and he's like, sure, man, yeah, go yeah, right yeah. ahead. But uh, let me grab this pick. Like I said, I all it land. Then I'll turn down here and I will crank up, you know, this the uh, compression and the volume. <laughs> Right. And that's it. Oh, man. that's great. That's the other so thing I use this guitar for is like uh, when we do uh, cold, cold, cold. Anything that's in an open tuning, you know, yeah. and I just like that. Uh, and so this, the action is not that high. It's high enough for slide, but it's not so high that you can't play regular sure. guitar with it. Yeah. You know? And that's yeah. it for the that's it for the red guy. Okay, well that's that's, <laughs> that's what I use it for. Now, and that's you know pretty much the whole dang deal. And then the last ingredient is uh, this. Deluxe. So, yeah. What's the story on this amp? It's a. This you said it's a '64. Yes, it's a 1964. My son Miles Tackett, who uh, is a wonderful guitar player, he bought it when he was a teenager, and he's playing in all these little bars. And he got this this amp. And uh, at one point, he said, "I was playing this little Princeton that I used in the studios forever." Yeah. You know. And he said, I can't turn this, he's playing Madame Wong's and all these little clubs. 
and he says, I can't get this thing, you know, loud enough to like distort, which I need yeah. because it's too loud. You know, yeah. The gap's too loud. So he traded me. He took my uh, Princeton and I got this one, you know. Good trade. And he still comes in every like, every time he comes and sits in with us, he goes, there's that deluxe. Yeah. It's still officially his amp. Mm. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> but so, I've had it for years. Now you, you've, it's been tweaked a little bit. There's been some modifications done to it. Yeah, you know, Paul Rivera, <laughs> I don't know if you guys know, but he does oh, sure, Rivera yeah. amps, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Every... He, uh, back when he was working at Valley Arts Guitar in L.A., he uh, was doing mods on everybody's amp. He did, like, all my amps. And he's got, like, uh, oh, God, all kinds of things. I don't have the pedals here, but uh, let me turn off the overdrives because he's got plenty of them here. Yeah. All right, this is a different one from the other one. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. Another boost. Master. You can turn the volume, master volume down. Oh, okay. So, so Rivera put in a master volume and uh, looks like a, a well, the master, yeah, I guess he put the master volume in and, and he, then uh, a couple has of these couple of boosts here, treble boost it says, okay, <laughs> and a volume boost. Okay, it's all about more. It's, it's all, all about it's making all about, it louder. Yeah, it's all, it's all about, whereas your son was trying to make it less loud, yeah. you're going the other way. He wanted to get distorted, but I needed volume. And, yeah. and when I started to bring this amp out on the road, I was playing through, I had a single Showman amp at one point. I mean, I still have it, but yeah. I was using that on the road. Yeah. And I had uh, some box amps too. At one point they were loaning me a box amp, which they took back. So I said, hey, like, you know, I'm gonna bring this to Lux. And I was afraid that it wasn't gonna be loud enough. Oh. And man, I started to think it's oh. like, I can't get it past three. Yeah. Like, you know, Charlie and sound guy going, are you out of your mind? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, that's, Fred, it's such a pleasure to meet you, man. Well, it's a pleasure to meet and, you, too. Uh, I'm sorry, but when Scott comes, he will show you a lot of, like, interesting equipment. Well, well, <laughs> well, well you're just an interesting guy. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, great. All right, y'all. I'm with Scott Gerard of Little Feet. Scott, man, thanks for uh, having us today. Yeah, thanks for coming down. God, great to hear you play, dude. Thanks, yeah. man. Yeah, this, uh, this guitar was built by... Uh, the great uh, Dennis Fano. Sure. Who's now here in Nashville. Now here in Nashville, I think he yeah. was originally uh, up east where I live, but uh, this is uh, something he custom made for me. It's a oh, bit of a mongrel. Yeah, let's hear about this weirdo. What's going on here? Well, that's a. Th these are Lawler pickups. That's a, something called the Chicago Steel. Okay. Which I think he was trying to do something that was like Hound Dog Taylor. Sure. But to me... With the six fingers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but to me, it just sounds like a great P90. Yeah. It's noisy as hell, but it's uh, once the band gets going, you don't notice. It's part um, of the charm. Yeah, and that's that's one of uh, Jason Lawler's middle pickups. This is an old 60s uh, Harmony Bobcat that's pickup. That's the real deal. Okay. But I haven't been using that very much with these guys. That's It's um, the whole, you know, the whole feet slide sound is, yeah. a, is a pretty specific that's kind a, of... Thing. So I've been trying to find a way to, you know, play the way I play slide. I've been playing my whole life and try to also echo some of what Lil George yeah. created and Paul Barrere, you know. Right, man. You're in a really difficult position because you're a you're a brilliant player, but you want to pay, you know, pay tribute to Lil, of course, and, yeah. but do your own thing and walk that line, you know. Well, I grew up going to see these guys, uh, going to see mainly Little Feet and the Almond Brothers. Sure. And, uh, you know, early on, uh, Warren Haynes was one of my early, like, uh, modern influences of my youth because yeah. he had such a, a, a he did such a, a graceful and amazing job with that position he was put in with Dickie. You're, God, you're right. So That's a early yeah. on, I, I related to that and I kind of, I put it in my back pocket sort of. And then when I started playing with Greg Almond in 2008, you know, and I played with him until he passed away in 2017, and I was the band leader, and, or, you know, we had a hell of a run. And um, 
he was he was just so I learned so much from him. But the best thing about doing that gig was for this gig yeah. was that every time I went to a gig, everyone there was thinking about everyone from Dwayne Allman to Jack Pearson, right. and Warren Haynes and Derek oh. Trucks. I mean, they're Dickie Betts. They're thinking about all the cats. Yeah. So and then you're playing that music and you got to think, how do I tip my hat to all this history right. but still be myself? Right. So when I hooked up with these guys, being that the catalog was so important to my life as a singer, songwriter and guitar player since I was a child, I had that. And then I had this experience of having to help Greg and his own band figure out how to reinvent his own music and his image, but right. not lose what he'd created with his brother right. and, and those cats. So, yeah. um, you know, it would take a whole nother episode to talk about how I try to make that gel and work right. <laughs> from every angle. Cause yeah. I also, I'm also a singer for this band and it's like, and a songwriter. So it's, it's a, it's a lot of, it's a lot of responsibility. Uh, but I mean, I love every second of it, man. I mean, yeah. you know, and it's, it's really been uh, an absolute trip, you know, for a kid who had, you know, a poster of Lil George on his wall when he was 12. <laughs> right, Trust right. me, my, my friends when I was a kid thought I was insane for like admiring this guy. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's, it's really that deep for me. It's, it's <laughs> destiny, man. I, I hope so, you know, yeah. doing my best. Did you ever uh, try the, the uh, you know, spark plug? Uh, first, uh, first slide I ever had, I actually took out of a, out of a socket wrench set because uh -huh. I read that there's that one you can find it very easily uh, there in the uh, Google sphere. Um, that interview he did with Guitar Player Magazine, which I think was towards the end of his life. Yeah. It's a wonderful interview. There's so much great advice for musicians in this interview, so I encourage everybody to look it up. Um, but he mentions the socket. And yeah. um, I found a copy, an old copy of that somewhere um, in my, my young travels to music yeah. stores or something. And I, man, I studied that article right alongside everything else you know at the time it was I, I saw one of Stevie Ray's last shows I was only uh probably 11 years old but Jeff Beck and uh, Clapton was doing the journeyman stuff with Ferroni on drums I mean these guys were just crushing it um yeah. Almonds uh, Dr. John Bonnie Raitt I mean everyone was just you know I was born in 76 so yeah. I, I'm from from that like VH1 Renaissance yeah, generation, yeah, I yeah, guess, right. or something. You know? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, my dad used to work in cable TV. So in the early days, we were the only family, you know, in Michigan or wherever we were that had cables. <laughs> and all we'd watch was music TV. Yeah, right, right. But that's what was on. You know, you'd watch the, those were the bands. It was like those bands having all of them having this second right. revival kind of thing. Right. That's right, kids. MTV <laughs> used to have music on it. <laughs> well. MTV went went south a lot earlier than VH1. But yeah, 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 right. Okay, well, this is is a very cool start, and you're going with three others. Let's see what else you got here. All right, so this it isn't really all of them, but these are the main players. Yeah, yeah. Um, I imagine at this point you've got a lot of stuff. Well, it's it's and it comes back to what we were talking about. You know, it's like Paul and Lowell, and I gotta I gotta do my thing too. So you. You know, that guitar I was just playing is an open G, which was Paul Barrera's preferred open tuning with oh. Little Feet. So there's a lot of songs, you know, there's songs like uh, Hate to Lose Your Lovin' and Down on the Farm, and those are like these really signature Paul Barrera open G songs. Sure. Um, and then the open A guitars over there, I'll talk about that in a second. This, this one is, uh, of course, a heritage. I'm sure you guys see a lot of these. Sure. And, and these cats are really, you know, doing an amazing thing with the with the vintage Gibson. Oh yeah. You know, sound and and uh, uh, my man Pat Foley, who lives here in Nashville now, uh, you know, was nice enough to hook me up with these guys, and they are from Saginaw, Michigan. One side of my family is from there, so there we go. It's you know all in the family, as it were. But I, I fell in love with uh, P90s a few years ago, and uh, when they were talking to me about using a guitar of theirs, I said. Get me something with P90s, you know. So this is like my, my one of my main standard tune guitars. And when we do songs like, uh, let's see, like Texas Twister, Let It Roll, Spanish Moon, Skin It Back, yeah. those are all the standard tune songs. And on those songs, I really just just kind of do my thing, you know, which, um, you know, just playing blues on these things. <laughs> Thank you. 
you know. She's not polite. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I love this guitar. And we, we just made a new Little Feet album, and I played this guitar on, on most of this new record we did. Um, all the standard tuning stuff is this guitar. And we're back with Lawler's. These are his dog ear P90s. Okay. And uh, that guy knows what he's doing, man. Man, I love, the, I love the fact that you were switching pickups the whole time and tweaking your tone the whole time. Well, I'm know? always switching between pick and fingers, too. It's kind of... Yeah, right. I've been doing that since I started playing, um, you know, and, and I, I, I've just found that what I like to say, I'll just, that I have two, two ways of thinking of playing the guitar. One is, you know, this hand, the fretting hand in the left hand, in my case, is uh, like the right hand of the piano. So it's like the melodic and chordal side of the piano. Yeah. And this hand I think of as a percussion instrument. And then that's kind of like the basics of where I start. And yeah. then when it comes to improvising and playing lines, I try to think as much as I can like a singer or a horn player. Uh, otherwise you can have a lot of run on sentences because if you don't have to breathe, you can just keep picking and picking and picking and right. picking. Right, yeah. Um, and with the picking hand, I think of the, the thumb is kind of like the bass. <laughs> right. And uh, the first finger is kind of like treble. Yeah. And the pick is like the mid-range. So that's kind of how my brain works. Yeah. I've had to think about this because I've, I've, done, I've done some teaching, a lot of teaching over the years in different places. I've had to, when I first started doing it, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I really figured out how to explain. Like, I kept thinking about it. But that's probably the most important part of what I do. I mean, I love the gear I have. Like, I'm so happy with all of it. And uh, obviously, you know, I've learned a lot from uh, musicians about uh, the choices they make in their gear say a lot about what they prioritize. But all my gear is about getting the sound in my head and my heart and making the sound of my hands come through. Right. It's all about this for me. Yeah. And that these, this is where the dynamics really are. Yeah. And that's why I'm always working the volume knob too. Right. You know, it's, it kind of goes with the right hand. It's like all one... Thing, but uh, I try not to think about that regularly. But since you asked, that's yeah. kind of that's, that's well, my approach. Well, the minute you think about it, then it becomes well, unnatural. I mean, when I'm playing music, I'm certainly not thinking about yeah, it. I right, mean, so, right. You know, music is like it's one of the only you know sanctuaries we have where we can shut out all the noise. That it's the meditation, man. And if you can't yeah. do that, you know, there's absolutely no reason to go through what you have to go to to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, speaking of, so I'll show you my, my horse. This is uh, old red here. So I bought this. This was a, a custom shop 336. Yeah. That I got in 2001 new from Elderly Instruments back to Michigan again. Sure. Got it online. And this has been my main guitar ever since. It's 22 years of music. Wow. Um, with Greg Allman, this is on everything. You know, the live record we did, uh, Southern Blood. Um, it's the main guitar. There were a couple other ones, but this was 75, 80% of the show would be this guitar. And my band, it was 100% of the show. I was playing this. So I was, this one I, I worked on with my buddy Paul Schwartz at Peekamoose Guitars in New York City over the last two decades. And we've tried a bunch of pickups. These are Wiz pickups in here okay, now. Okay, what's going on with... with <laughs> Why is it backwards? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so check this out. What's that about and what's that about? This is a good... This, this guitar and that guitar <laughs> have some good stories. So, th so this one... Um, why is the pickup flipped? Well, uh, you remember Mike Voltz sure. from uh, Gibson. Lovely yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. and a great uh, guy. Uh, amazing. And he... I was making my record, my solo record, Saving Grace in Memphis, uh, in about 2016. It was December 2016, so it's before the bankruptcy. And they had the Gibson ES shop. And he wanted to make me a signature model guitar, a signature model 336. So I was making my record. I was doing a day of overdubs with horns. So I dropped the guitar off for 24 hours. And when I brought the guitar in, he showed me the prototype of the Freddie King signature model. And Freddie King is, you know, we have the three kings and they're all equally important in the eyes of God and every player. But my personal favorite was Freddie. And the reason Freddie was my favorite was because he had the vocals, the guitar playing and the material all the way through his career until really? he died that really resonated with me. You know, from the early records with obviously everyone knows Hideaway and San Jose you know, straight up through the stuff with uh, King Curtis and the producing and then Leon Russell, you know, Freddie's like one of my main inspirations. Yeah. Um, so when I saw that guitar, I noticed Freddie always flipped 
his back pickup backwards. And if you, I don't know if they did it on the final signature model. I didn't. But they had uh, they had had one of his guitars in the shop for a while, and they were copying it, and they were like, "It's backwards." And I and I was like, "When you do my guitar, do that." Um, and they did they did all the measurements on it, and then I don't know, they burned the factory to the ground. I don't know what happened to them. So yeah. that was lost to time. God, that's right. Because yeah, these yeah. were. All the acoustics were made in Memphis, or the the uh, yeah. the ES um, uh, the ES models yeah. were made in Memphis, and yeah. So that's why wow. I flipped it backwards. And as I said, these are the so, Wiz but, pickups. So is there any issue with with um, uh, phase with them with it flipped around? Well, like that? it's it's a little weird, but I I I go by what I hear. You know, I I had Paul install it, so I'm sure he did it the right way. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know the uh, the thing that the thing that they didn't want to do at Gibson, of course, was put my my volume my master volume in the top of the f hole because they didn't want it to cover the f hole. So oh. they wanted to drill the face. But Paul Schwartz had this great idea to stick it in the top of the f hole. That is really right? clever. And it's it's got a harness. I was talking. You've been talking to our our guy Bruce Pearson, yeah. who's incredible uh, teching for us. And we were just talking about this harness earlier. And I mean, this harness is like brain surgery to deal with. Sadly, that's the that's the problem with doing a master volume like this. But, okay, so that's so that is a master volume, and the yeah. rest are just standard. Yeah, these are just normal. And then I put the tone on the 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 bridge pickup at about seven, and the the front I just roll off a little bit. But it's the master volume's a little crunchy right now. But you can really do like. God, yeah, you can do all that stuff. And of course, like dynamically with the guitar, I'm always playing with the volume. That's why this is here. So, yeah. you know, you can play a line like that's on, you know, five or six, but so it's a subtle difference. But, you know, I always like to play with that. And this is one of those wide, you know, pentameter. Well, I don't know how to say the yeah, word. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's got one of those mean. wide sweeps in yeah, the volume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know anything about how any of this shit works. <laughs> right. I'm serious. Yeah, no, hey, like, man. I prefer to look at paintings and read books. Like, I'm not I'm not really into gear, but yeah. I love great sound. Yeah, yeah. So if, I'm obsessed with, like, the sound of it. Right. But I, I can't do, I can change strings. That's yeah. about it. You drive the race car, <laughs> yeah, you don't build much. it. Yeah. 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 And I'm lucky enough to have guys like, you know, Paul Schwartz and Bruce who help me when things are broken. Um, yeah. But yeah, this is this is my. I mean, if I had, it is my desert island guitar. It's yeah. like if I had one guitar, this would be it. Um, but it's it's unbelievable. I mean, they don't make these like this anymore. At the yeah. time, when they were marketing this, it was called tonally carved semi-hollow. Right. So it's carved like an L5 shrunken right. inside. Yeah. They don't do this guitar. It also has the slit, the slim 59 neck, yeah, which man. they don't do anymore either. Total sleepers, and they're. Yeah surprisingly affordable. I mean, like a 335 is essentially plywood, yeah. and that's like carved maple, carved mahogany. They're I mean, my, my friend Mark Franklin, the trumpet player for the Greg Allman Band, he's he's a real shit talker, and one day he said to me, he said, what happened to your, your 335? It'd get, it'd get shrunk in the dryer? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 That's great, man. So, um, what strings? And that's standard tuning. What strings yeah. are you running on on this one? Well, I've been working with String Joy right here in Nashville oh, yeah. lately. Okay. And I absolutely love their strings, man. Okay. Kind of, they kind of, you know, got the, the consistency of how they're made and the vintage style yeah. of how they sound. The nickel sound is, I love it. Um, and basically, like. I play with sets depending on what guitar it is. Yeah. Most of my standard tuned guitars are nines, 9.5s, or 10s. Huh. So I'm always messing around with that. Um, I have a like a Bruce Lee one finger punch theory of playing the electric guitar, which is the more resistance you have when you're bending strings and the harder you hit the string, the more you're actually 
getting away from the amplifier doing the work hmm. and you're getting away from the sound coming from your dynamics. Wow. I grew up playing thick gauges. Yeah. And the Stevie thing, man, it, it influenced everybody, yeah. right? Oh no, that was it. I mean that yeah. was the whole you know, it was, it this was whole, that myth of like, oh, oh the only I mean. way to get it is yeah. Well it was part and, and to be fair, like so so I've had people talk to me about this part of the guitar a lot, obviously. This is like the big this is the the the, the, the you know, it's the fire of every forum is like what string gauge do you use, yeah, yeah. right? And then there's like this manly test in there. Yeah. Sadly, it's you know, we all know all the examples of, you know, Hendrix was playing nines and Billy Gibbons plays nines with slide and all this shit. Uh, Dwayne was playing nines, he was using black diamond nines. Yeah. You know, we know all this is for a fact, but somehow it doesn't sink in. Yeah. Stevie Ray was, you know, an absolute, I mean, he's like the Glenn Gould of the blues or something, yeah, you know, yeah, he's yeah. like, just like the ultimate virtuoso interpreter of all blues that came before him. Yeah. But the problem with what's going on with him was when he was playing with 12s or 13s, he was, you know, he had a, a glass of beer with an eight ball of cocaine that he would shoot before he right. played the gig. Yeah. And his fingers were bleeding at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, unless, <laughs> unless you want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's not a good long game. <laughs> yeah, he was yeah, also right. in his 20s. Yeah, right, right. And uh, I know for a fact that at the end of his life, he was playing with 10s or 11s tuned down a half step. Really? Yeah, once he was sober. Wow. Okay, there we go. <laughs> that, yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, what, Steve, he was like 34 or 35 when he died right. or something? Yeah. He was a young man, you know? Yeah. He seems younger all the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> Right, yeah. But I mean, you know, these, I don't know if these are the nines or the nine fives, but if you, you know, if you play, you know, it's totally clean right now. If I put the pedal on, I can get more dynamics out of it, but. And if I hit it harder, you know. So yeah. it's just, it's all in the, it's all letting the amp do the work for you. Yeah. You don't really have to pick that much harder, you know? Right, right. So anyway, that's, that's, that's where I've gotten to with it. But, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that to is, each his own, man, you know? No, that's, that's a very cool way to look at it. That's, yeah, I learned something. Thank you. I mean, <laughs> okay, we're, we're so, all learning all the time. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. Okay, um, so it's Little Feet. You've got to have a Strat. Well, this, this one I actually named Lowell. So oh, yeah, there we go. This, yeah. this is the one that really, you know, so this was my first electric guitar. Oh, wow. How great. I sold a, I sold a, like a Nintendo video game system and then my parents made up the difference. It was a Strat Plus yeah. when I got it. It was new uh, in the 80s. And I got it because I had just seen uh, Fred's Strat Plus, of all things. <laughs> all right. It was a summer where I saw, I saw Fred, and I saw Clapton, and I saw Warren Haynes, and they were all playing Strat Pluses. Yeah. And I said, i got to see what's going on with this yeah, yeah. if I'm going to get an electric guitar, because my house had acoustic guitars. It didn't have electric guitars. And uh, so it used to have lace sensors. Now it has Lauer pickups, that Chicago steel, and the bridge again. Um, what's going on here? Okay, so this is the... It's an open A, like Lowell would be. And by the way, this guitar has like 12s on it. And the, the G has 13s, so they all have different gauges. Um, and you can see the battery in there. This is the Stratoblaster, Alembic Stratoblaster, which is a mid-boost that uh, Lowell had in his Strat. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, he used to have a Telecaster pickup back here that was pretty loud. So I decided to go with this and goose it up a little bit. The knob... This, this is my ghost story of doing this gig. Uh, when I had to return to touring with these guys, when I was deciding to use this guitar, and I had the Stratobaster put in, and I, I had this pickup put in, and I had it routed, I said, this is gonna be the guitar to play the open A lull shit. Yeah. I was getting ready to put it in the flight case, and I started turning the knob, and the knob came off and broke. It was the original knob. I'd never had a problem with it before. So I took it to a guitar store, this place, Stockade in Kingston, New York. And when I got there, uh, he's like, man, I only have one knob left. And it's a telly knob. And I was like, all right, just give me whatever you got. And he puts it on. And I said, you know, I should look at a picture of Will's guitar. And I open it up, and there it is. Oh, yeah. It's the one that's in the Rock Hall of Fame. God. So apparently he used to like to use these. Uh -huh. 
but then I threw it in the case and I came to play with these guys. So that's my, How great. my ghost story. Yeah, okay, that's, that's, that's perfect. So, but, uh, you know, basically, you know, I got, we'll talk about the board, but I got, you gotta have the two compressors on to get what's called unity gain, which is, as far as I know, it's something Lowell came up with. Uh, and it's, to me, it's like the key of his sound. Um, so that's just without the Stratoblaster. Now I'll put the Stratoblaster on. That to me is really his. You can do all that fancy stuff. So great. But I mean, that's little George, man. I mean, you know, that's. Okay, well that actually, that segues really well into your pedal board. Yeah, it does. Let's talk about that compressor. Okay. What, is, uh, what do you got going on? Okay, it, so that's the analog man. Just take us through sure, the whole yeah. enchilada. Well, this, uh, this is by far the biggest pedal board I've ever had in my life. I mean, I grew up playing straight into uh, a blackface Fender amplifier my whole career. And uh, really, with, with, okay, so with, with, well, Almond? that would have been with my band and like doing records and doing all yeah. kinds of stuff in my early years, um, playing in bars when I was a kid. It was always a super reverb, deluxe, Princeton, yeah. whatever. And then, uh, when I, when I was working with Greg Allman, he would sing very quietly. We were trying to get the stage volume down. Yeah. So then I started experimenting with pedals. Sure. And I was like, I gotta try some of these overdrive pedals. Yeah. This is probably when I was in my early 30s or so. And now it's become this whole, you know, it's like once you're in the rabbit hole, it's oh, just, yeah. I don't need to explain to anyone out there. You're the, right. The pedal rabbit hole. So I'm, I've been in it recently. And with Little Feet, again, we're back to exhibit A, which is, my sound, Paul's sound, Will's sound. How do I balance it from song to song? And that ratio changes depending on what song it is. Sure. Um, so the tuner, as I say, the only pedal I need to do a gig. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's if a non-negotiable. Especially when I'm playing a Gibson, you know, it's like if one yeah. thing's gonna, you know, if I'm being a G string, it's like right. I'm tuning every song. Yeah. The, the compressor is something that uh, our man, Analog Mike, made for me and he is just, everything he makes is brilliant. Sounding. So is it essentially two compressors in one? Well, this, is, this has been the kind of linchpin in where I've gotten with this. It's a Ross and an orange squeezer compressor, no. one on each side. And I've set it to what I think is unity gain, what sounds like unity gain to yep. me. In the studio, Lowell would use two 1176 compressors. Right. Live, he would use two, two um, uh, the MXRs, which I think, I don't know if Fred totally. has one now. He used to have one. Now he has an orange squeezer, but it's the little, uh, you know, the little red or orange sure. compressor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Bonnie was using those forever yeah, yeah. too. Um, so that to me, that's Little Feet slide. Open A for Lil, open G for Paul, Unity game. And the second you do that, it's just like, and then also like Bonnie, it has that kind of sound. Yeah. And you can push it in the direction of like Ry Cooter and David Winley. It's that California slide shit. Yeah. To me, that's the sound of it. Is that yeah. really over compressed, long sustained, but clean. Yeah. So it's not too distorted. This next pedal is, there's only two of these that exist. So Charlie Martinez, who I've been working with for over 20 years, he's my producing and engineering partner. He, he made this. There he is. <laughs> what, we gotta get to work? Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. We're almost done. Okay. Kenny Gradnier. Hey. Um, he made this for me, uh, Charlie Martinez did, who does front of house for us as well. Um, and it's a, it's a Klon on the right side, uh, and you can pick, I always have it on the, uh, the transistor, that's, this is not the germanium, it's the silicone, is that what that is? I don't know, you could ask Charlie about it if you want to, he built it. And then the other side is a, is a boost that it's based, based on some kind of MXR booster or something. Okay. And the MXR booster, I very rarely use. I use that on like bridge pickup with the, with the single coils sometimes, but that's for when I'm playing uh, standard tuning, I use that for solos okay. all the time. And I've, I've tried them all, man. And that's, I think Charlie built the best one. I'm like knocked out by it. Um, then these two are of course Strymon stuff and their stuff is just, incredibly well-built and beautiful sounding. This is a new thing I got. It's their Leslie pedal. 
and it's the best one I've found yet. Um, and this next thing they made, the flint, has become a, another essential thing for me. I don't know what's going on with the spring reverb. I have all these old Fender amps with beautiful spring reverb, but their spring reverb sounds better than the spring reverb in all my old amps. Hmm. So I don't know what it does. And you're not getting that big. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. And then the tremolo is beautiful. I mean, I, I, I've never been a guy who's used digital reverb until I found that. Huh. And then when I heard it, I A-beat it with a bunch of old stuff. And, it's just the best, so it's, that's basically it. And then the MXR has been modded by the Analog Man, the Phase 90. Yeah, what do they do with that? They added a God, switch and a, it sounds, another... It's kind of like a mix between a Univibe and a Phase 90. Huh. I don't know what he did to it, but it's, it's, it's gnarly and funky. Yeah, great. That one I use on, you know, tunes like where I want to get some of Paul's standard tuning sound, like yeah. Time Loves a Hero and Skin It Back when he has that funky phase sound, Yeah, you know? That's about, oh, and this is, this is another Klon copy. That's a, it's a backup one, but it's a beautiful sounding one. Okay, and that's not even in the, in the. It's not in the chain. And then the tone bone. That's also out of the chain. But that's when you're using two amps. We, we do that sometimes. Sometimes it'd be like Orange 8030 is one I like to use. Yeah. With the two rock, or it'll be the, this is a 66 Vibrolex and the two rock. And okay. to me, the, the two rock is like. And this, okay, the two rock classic reverb. Yeah. That's your, that's your amp. Well, this is, you know, we'll play to Dumble and, and yeah. this is the, I mean, I, I don't, I don't even know what to say about how great this amplifier is, man. It's like, I've been raving about this for a year and I was all vintage before, but this, yeah. this one, it's like, no matter where I play it, what stage, what studio, it sounds the same. Yeah. Which is the biggest deal to me is like it, the consistency of the tone. And I you know, play outside, inside, yeah. it always sounds the same. It is crazy how they change. But yeah, yeah that's, so that's okay. But that's Perfect. basically the whole, and then there's and, like a brown box back there. On and you run them both under that, right, 114 looks like? About that. Yeah. Especially in Nashville. Yeah, you know. yeah you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Well, I know you guys got to do a sound yeah, check. Yeah, we got to get to work. Hey, man, such a pleasure. Thanks uh, for having oh, me, man. Oh, one last thing. What pick are you playing? Oh, yeah. I just started getting these. They're Diodarios. They're sculpted something or other. Okay. I don't know. I'll find it for Dia you. Diodarios something sculpted. <laughs> okay. Let you guys get that to it. Thanks so much. Thanks, Till guys. Till next time.